welcome to Thinking Too Hard About Anime, an anime discussion podcast. It's a little bit of history, a little bit of analysis, and a lot of over-examining the Japanese cartoons we love so much. I am your co-host, Noah Carden, and with me, as always, is... Aaron J. Shelton. And this episode, we are covering the post-Gunbuster Gainax and Nadia, The Secret of Blue Water. So, uh, Gunbuster has been released uh, in, in 1989. It is finished up. Production is out there in the world. Um, and there's now a bit of a power struggle within Gainax. Um, Toshio Okada and Hiroaki Inoue, Hiroaki Inoue are fighting for control of the company. Um, Inoue, I'm not actually real familiar with Inoue. He hasn't actually come up a lot in our in our research. Um, were you able to find any more about him? I I was not. It seemed like he was a producer for some other company. Okay. It is my guessing. I don't believe... It doesn't seem like he... Because he wasn't a founding member. Right. Um, so I'm not sure what his deal is or was, unfortunately. Okay. Because he doesn't really... I don't think he comes up ever again. <laughs> no, because uh, we'll, we'll, as we'll see soon, uh, he kind of leaves the company uh, around this time as well. But yeah, there's some some struggles for like control over the, the studio at this time. And um, we learned that NHK who is the, the state broadcaster for Japan, um, the Nippon Hoso Kyokai, um, kind of similar to like the BBC. Uh, they have uh, invited a, another animation studio, Studio uh, Group TAC, T-A-C, um, for a pit session for new shows. Um, TAC in turn invites Gainax to help them with the, the pitch um, and in a way kind of goes above everybody else's head to accept this meeting. Um, according to the Noteki memoirs, um, it's believed that Gainax itself was, was invited, but in a way just kind of took it upon himself um, and then works in secret with other members of Gainax to develop like the characters and settings and storyboards for this show that they are working on. Uh, this show turns into Nadia, The Secret of Blue Water, which was originally conceived by Hayao Miyazaki in the mid-1970s um, as a series for Toho, but it was never produced. Toho retained the rights to it and would then turn to the NHK later on and start production on it. The original concept was sort of a take on Around the World in 80 Days and 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea with uh, two orphans teaming up with Captain Nemo on these adventures. Um, Miyazaki would later use large elements of this story for his works like Castle in the Sky. Um, that's like one of the big things I noticed watching the show. Is that like This is very <laughs> much a Castle in the Sky-like production. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so anyway, would would go to this pitch meeting. He would get the show for Gainax. And then, obviously, it would very quickly come to light what had happened. Um, anyway, had uh, Yoshiyuki Sadamoto and Mahiro Maeda do some of the production in, in secret. Um, the, the big thing about taking on this production is that it would kind of spell disaster for Gainax for a while. Um, the production budget for the show would actually 
shove Gynax into the red for a long time. Um, and because of this, uh, senior staff at Gynax would meet with the NHK and basically say, we want this guy out or we're not going to do the show. Um, so anyway is forced out of the company um, early on in the production of Nadia and Yoshiyuki Sadamoto, who's originally supposed to be the director for the series, um, also steps down and as he steps down in that position uh, with and then Ano takes his place. Um, Sadamoto still stays on as like a character designer, works on the production, all that, but he just takes a step away from the director position. Um, I think that there's actually a note in the Noteki memoirs that um, Sadamoto was just sort of forced into the position. Uh, there's a, a note about him being sort of like brainwashed or or in like a, a trance-like state when he agrees to it. So um, that's a, that's an odd way <laughs> to put it for sure. Yeah. Um. I so circling that that's you know that's the the bad bad foundation. Yes. For, for Nadia. Um, to circle back, I'm I'm curious how much personal conflict has influenced the flow of information, which is, int- which is in itself interesting. Uh-huh. Oh, uh huh. Yeah. So on Anime News Network, Hiroaki Inoue is credited as a co-founder of Gainax, huh. who we have never met, who we did not mention in the last episode. Uh, let's see. There's some like I think uh, in 2013. There's a there's an article about they they state him as a co-founder of Gynax uh, when he does a convention in the U.S. in 2013. Uh, DC's Anime USA. Hmm. Um, I mean, but like he I mean, he's been a producer on he was a producer on fucking Gunbuster, man. <laughs> yeah. Like, like he's that's why that's wild that in all of our other things he he did not come up. So I'm curious what if that is actual like personal conflict that has sort of erased him mm-hmm. from from some of the, I guess the larger sources uh, of citing him as a founder. Yeah, I I guess so. Like it seems like I mean he's there very early on and he's only there for like it sounds like the first few like Gynax productions and then he's gone. So I'm wondering there's obviously going to be some bad blood there and I'm also just thinking, like, in the larger scale of Gynax's lifespan, this guy that's there for only, like, like three years-ish. Like, if people have just kind of forgotten that he was there at the very beginning or not. like, Well, that also might be something where it's he leaves before Evangelion. He leaves, he leaves before they get any televised anime work, which yeah. is a lot like in the Nintendo Diaries. They uh, He mentions how... Nadia was a thing that put them on the map more so. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have that, um, this falling out. It's it's very curious for for sure how, uh, I mean, one, all of our research is internet-based. So yeah. there's a, everything is like with a grain of salt, but, and, and on top of being translated. Um, yeah. But it's, okay, he was a founder. <laughs> our first... <laughs> error and omission i guess i i guess so like I, there's definitely some books out there on this stuff but i i highly doubt i'd be able to get my hands on any of them especially for like a halfway decent price mm-hmm. and even if they're like translated or not so yeah like, who, who knows this is definitely a, a an issue with 
the topics we're covering, we're choosing the cover. Yeah. So before we get into Nadia too much, uh, I I, I want to give this quote from uh, from Anno's biography, his Studio Cara biography, uh, where he says, "quote Quoting for the biography, it says he learned firsthand the horrors that lurk within the production of a TV animation series." <laughs> In reference to Nadia, this is. This is a very bad time for Anno, uh, but he is the chief director of Nadia, The Secret of Blue Water, uh, with Shinji Higuchi taking over uh, from episodes 23 to 39. Um, so, okay. Uh, sorry. Um, so I've seen it as episodes 23 to 34. Um, I think, like, I don't know if if that's an actual conflict there or if... Sh- Higuchi actually directed those last five episodes because I had, I have seen that Ano basically put Higuchi into those that block of episodes so that he could focus on getting the production of those last five episodes to be up to like up to snuff mm-hmm. for him. Um, so I'm I'm curious if Higuchi technically directed those episodes or if Ano was directing them. That's kind of it- a a conflict I have seen. Yeah, it's, and I think we've seen it in Gainax where it's uh, who actually did what uh-huh. and who's who's officially credited with something. It's very much a all hands on deck sort of company, uh, in especially with these early things. It seems like so. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm not. Yeah, I can't. Um, I can't say for sure. I would probably lean more towards your number that is twenty three mm. through thirty four. Yeah. Okay. Because I know, um, I think most of those episodes end up being sort of the the island arc of the story, which is yeah, <laughs> we'll get into it. We'll get into it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, those are the directors, uh, Hisao Okawa and Yasuo Tanami are credited writers of the series. We have Yoshiyuki Sadamoto as character design and with music by Shiro Sage. By Shiro Sagisu, Saga Sagisu, Sagisu. Uh, I've always said it Sagisu. Sagisu. Okay, with music by Shiro Sagisu, uh, and an interesting detour. I th- think some of the music with Nadia gets re uh, instrumented. It gets repurposed in the Evangelion Rebirth movies. Is my understanding? Um. Yeah. So. <laughs> so I. So a little side tangent, I think. Um, this is like the first time I think we really see Ano working with Sadamoto and Sagasu. Um, they're both like really instrumental to Evangelion's production. Um, again, Sadamoto does a lot of the character designs and Sagasu does the music for it. And there are definitely like sort of themes or like certain like uh, like melodies that Sagasu likes and that will show up a lot in his works, um, especially his works with Ano. So there's some bits in Nadia where you can see the beginnings of some of the music in Evangelion. And then some of that music in Evangelion also gets repurposed into like both the rebuild movies and Shin Godzilla, like the, the sort of um, very heavy, like drum timpani, Boom, 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 boom. That like that sort of beat gets reused a lot throughout their collaborative works. Um, 
So it's it's really interesting seeing like this very early work between the two and hearing that music and being like, oh, I can already see where they're going to go like five years down the line and then like 20 years, 30 years down the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah, this is the same way we're noticing patterns with uh-huh. Nano, where it's it, it, that's just uh, when you're in the creative field. You, you, there are things you like and there are things you always want to go to. Um, so they, that makes that makes sense. Um, let's see. And then Akai, uh, here's some quotes from him about the production um, that, that I thought was interesting. So, quote, originally, NHK would send them the script saying this is how exactly they want it done. Uh, the director, Mr. Ano, what he would do was take the facts, staple it and throw it in the garbage. <laughs> For some strange reason, every single week they would get the scripts. So apparently, so <laughs> did yeah. Not a lot of <laughs> he didn't. He, Otto didn't like being told what to do. <laughs> I I kind of love that. I just like the fact that he would staple it together and then throw it away. <laughs> put it, yeah. He collated and just put it in the trash. Um, but it was but like we said, the production wasn't great uh again this is unlike the ovas you know this is a a television schedule which especially at the time is brutal uh-huh oh yeah uh, on an animation studio uh, and Akai again wrote the production schedule fell so far behind that the quality of the midsection had to be reduced and that part the so-called island story arc was handled by another director shinji higuchi uh, he carried out his responsibility very well, which is very nice of him to say, because uh, a lot of people would not say that. I, I all right, I'll, I'll <laughs> save. We'll we'll talk about it. We'll, like, we'll, I'm trying yeah. not to jump ahead. I gotcha. Uh, <laughs> but they did. Uh, and part of what we're alluding to is uh, that my understanding is that that part of the show, a lot of the animation was outsourced to Cy Young Animation. Uh, which is a Korean studio uh, that if if you were of a certain age here in the States, uh, they handled the animation of such hits as <laughs> the Super Mario Brothers Super Show, <laughs> uh, The Legend of Zelda, where Link likes to say, excuse me, princess. <laughs> well, excuse me, Nadia. <laughs> um, and then you, uh, Captain N. Oh, my uh, all God. The, all, those, all those early Nintendo cartoons they handle the animation of and like gi joe and other things um Mm. but it's very much like let's get this thing done um but despite all that despite some some of the problems uh the dips in quality ano not being there for the whole production uh it did win a number of war of awards uh we did talk about the anime anime grand prix uh when we discussed nausicaa Mm -hmm. Uh, and so in 1991 nadia won best work uh, the opening thing, Blue Waters, was voted as best song, which is very good. I do. It's a, oh, it's a bop. Yeah. <laughs> I love, yeah, that, I, spoilers, I didn't watch all, every episode, and we'll get into why, mainly because I didn't like it, um, <laughs> but I'd never skip the opening. It's very good. Uh, Jean, Sanson, and Nemo uh, were respectively voted as fourth, fifth, and 13th best male characters. Uh, six episodes were voted into the top 20 best episodes, including episode 22, which was voted as the best episode overall. Uh, Nadia was voted as best female character uh, and was the first character to overtake Nausicaa as a favorite female anime character in Animage's Reader's Poll. 
Uh, and then in 2001, the series placed 72 in a list of top 100 anime productions decided by Animage. So still, still, still a lot of a, lo- a lot of love mm-hmm. um, for the show. Uh, like you said, it caused a lot of financial ruin for them. <laughs> it really did. Yeah. Uh, they, I think, after the show, they were 80 million. I was make sure I read that right. 80 uh-huh. million yen in the red. Uh, they Gynax also lost all rights associated with the project, um, which has caused which caused some difficulties for it being released here in the states and also us getting our our hands on the show. So again. The, the plot, the original concept was by Miyazaki, which I think um, it's kind of interesting uh, considering that it's Anno taking it on. So there's this sort of indirect lineage there, I think. The story of Nadia, the secret of Blue Water, is the story of Nadia, a mysterious um, acrobatic circus girl uh, with a strange gem called the Blue Water um, and Jean-Roc Raltique. A, a flight-obsessed genius engineer. Um, they're both teenagers. They're like 13, 14. Um, and the story actually happens in 1889, I believe. So it starts off very um, fanciful, like flying machines and submarines and lots of sailing ships and stuff like that. And then very quickly turns into like super science and, and all this other stuff. But, um, but it's the story of these two as they... they fight the evil gargoyle and his neo-atlantean forces um initially nadia and john along with um nadia's pet lion cub king are being chased by the grandis gang who are a group of jewel thieves formed by disgraced noblewoman grandis granva uh, the strongman sanson and the genius engineer hansen um they are trying to get a hold of nadia's blue water um and are chasing the 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 two children down in their completely anachronistic like super tank called the Graton, aka Catherine. Um, the the children manage to escape to an American battleship who are pursuing sea monsters uh, that have been seeking ships all over the world. But this battleship is also sunk. Uh, the children are then rescued by Captain Nemo and the Nautilus and are held for three days before being released with a new aircraft that um, John had been making, uh, crashed, and then uh, they repaired it and made it a a water plane, basically. Um, John is very much obsessed with flight. He wants to make all sorts of flying machines, that kind of stuff, Um, especially so that he can take Nadia to Africa, where she thinks she is from. so they crash land on a nearby island. On the island, they meet another young orphan named Marie. She is like four or five. Um, and then discover that the island is actually a secret base for Gargoyle, who seeks to rule the world using powerful Atlantean technology, um, namely a sort of super laser that can hit anywhere on the world called the Tower of Babel. Um, I think this is also kind of where we start seeing some of... I want to say it feels like this... This is sort of the start of Anno's penchant for using uh, Christian like symbology or mm-hmm. like imagery and 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 stuff like that for his productions, just because he kind of likes the way it looks. Um, yeah, so we get the the Tower of Babel um, use actually a super weapon. Um, Gar- Gargoyle 
turns out to have a fleet of submarines called the Garfish that are actually the, the sea monsters that have been seeking ships all over the world. Gargo is also looking for Nadia's gem, the blue water, which is a key to taking over the world. It's this incredibly powerful like energy source that he's looking to get his hands on. The kids are then rescued again by the Nautilus crew and actually are also rescued by the Grandis gang who have kind of joined forces um, and then are brought aboard the Nautilus where they spend um, a bit of time kind of exploring the oceans and, and running into uh, Gargoyle's forces. Um, this portion of the series is probably the closest to what we see in like your classical tellings of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Like they go to um, the secret base that uh, the Nautilus uses to like resupply. They go to the Antarctic as opposed to the Arctic, which is in the story, um, that sort of thing. Um, also, during this point, we learned that the Nautilus's true name is the Eltrium, which is a ship from Gunbuster. It's the big super ship at the very end of the series. Um, so Gainax is throwing in little nods to their previous works already. Uh, eventually, Gargoyle catches the Nautilus and is revealed that Nemo is actually Nadia's father and that they come from a place in Africa called, Africa called Tartessos. So uh, Tartessos is actually based off of a semi-mythical harbor city um, in Spain. It's sort of right there near the the very tip of where Africa and the Iberian Peninsula almost meet. Um, it's been largely believed to be sort of like one of those um, related to Atlantis, that sort of mythology in the real world um, in a lot of ways. So they're believed to actually come from Tartessos and that uh, Nemo uh, destroyed it when he removed the blue water from the Tower of Babel that was there as a means to stop Gargoyle from getting his hands on it. Um, the children escape as the Nautilus is destroyed by uh, Gargoyle's flying battleships um, and are shipwrecked on an island. This is the so-called island arc of the show where they basically spend a number of episodes making a new life on the island. Um, they are reunited with the Grandis gang and discover a mysterious floating island that turns out to be an Atlantean Ark ship called the Red Noah. Um, Nadia learns here that she's also Atlantean and that Atlanteans originally come from the M78 Nebula. The M78 Nebula is kind of important because it is a very big Ultra Band reference. <laughs> Um, the Ultraman, Ultraman, the Ultras, uh, they come from a place called the Land of Light, which exists in the M78 Nebula. Uh, Otto just cannot resist himself. So Nadi is an Ultraman. Yes, Nadi is an Ultraman. I mean, they uh, both have, they have jewels. <laughs> yes, they have jewels that glow, they flash, they're like a timer. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, again, the gang escapes the Red Noah as it sort of sinks into the ocean, uh, aboard the Gatan. And then flee to the ruins of Tartessos, which is revealed to be the Blue Noah. Um, and then Nadia is captured by Gargoyle. Um, he gets his hands on both parts of the the Blue Water, because it turns out that Nemo also had a portion of it. The rest of the gang is then rescued by Nemo and the new Nautilus, a powerful space battleship that is also a submarine, <laughs> which is... I'm always reminded of the Futurama quote uh, in that... How many pressures can the ship take? Well, it's a spaceship, so anywhere from zero to one. <laughs> uh, can't take a spaceship underwater, folks. I'm just saying. <laughs> they're built different. 
Um, uh, but they go to rescue Nadia from Gargoyle uh, and the reawakened Red Noah. The new Nautilus is also has a true name, the Excelion, which is again another gunbuster ship. Um, I want to say that they have used the Eltram and Excelion and a few other things around this time. Um, I'm not exactly sure which works. I think that like some of the games that Gainax was working on also feature them. Um, uh, Gargoyle uses the power of Emperor Neo, who turns out to be Nadia's brother, to destroy Paris. <laughs> they destroy Paris for not handing over England. It's <laughs> like, wait a minute, that's not our responsibility. Uh... <laughs> so they use the power of the Red Noah to beam like a giant hologram of Emperor Neo all over the world, who then tells them like, hey, ha- give us England or we're going to destroy Paris. Um, that sort of thing, which is mm-hmm, again mm-hmm. very bizarre. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I if I French. if I am England, it's like good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> please do. <laughs> yeah. Um. So then they do. Uh. But um, Gargoyle and Emperor Neo, who is actually being brainwashed, um, kind of brainwashed. He turns out to be a robot. Um. Uh, are then stopped by the arrival of Nemo and Jean, along with the new Nautilus. Um, again, Gargoyle is defeated, but Jean is killed in the process. Nadia, very saddened, um, uses the blue water to resurrect Jean, sapping all the gem's energy. Um, and then Nadia, Jean, and the Nautilus crew escape as Nemo sacrifices himself to stop the Red Noah. There's a little bit more here and there, but that's the overall story of of Nadia, the secret of blue water. Oh, oh my God. That's, there's... That's a lot of jumps. Uh, I knew that they were there. Uh-huh. Um, I thought Nemo was Jean's father for a while. No. So um, there's a kind of overarching plot for like the first like half of the series where mm-hmm. Jean's father is missing. Um, his ship disappeared. Um, we learn at one point that one of the crew members of the Nautilus was also on board that ship and that he's the only survivor that uh, Jean Sother has passed away. Um, he was killed by one of the garfish. Um, so yeah, but uh, yeah, Nemo is is Nadia's is Nadia's father. There, yeah. Um, what? <sighs> this is yeah. This is me trying to <laughs> wrap my head all around it. Um, I I know there's like a Gynax ending that has sort of been memed where it seems like it's always aliens at the end or a mm-hmm. secret reveal. And like, I know studio trigger, which was a break off from Gynax mm-hmm. also has that sort of, well, in the end it's always aliens somehow. Yeah. You learn, you learn it's aliens pretty early on, like halfway through the series. Um, you learn that the, the Atlanteans came from this place originally. Um, the thing you kind of get in the, like the last five episodes, um, you learn that the Atlanteans came to Earth and then like made people. Um, huh. So they they made the original humans along with um, they basically they literally say that they started off with like monkeys. They made a bunch of monkeys and then apes and then eventually they perfected it with humans. Um, but humans were real freaking big. Um, and you see an Adam, which is a giant mm-hmm. like. 50, 60 foot tall person um, who then they're like, all right. And then they sort of perfected it and made them much, much smaller and more in line with like 
Atlantean sizes. Um, you see it uh, in a bunch of like the scenes whenever you see Atlantean like ruins and stuff like that. But there's a lot of giants. Um, many of them have sort of that Nausicaa god warrior like look to them, uh, but also kind of like mummified to a degree. Um, there's also so okay. Do you want to just get into like the discussion of the series? <laughs> uh, yeah, we can. Um, I think because I've got some stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> if I can, I don't know if this will help, but uh, they're they're on Ano Cinema, which is a YouTube channel that we use a lot mm-hmm. uh, for for our research. Uh, there is a making of Nadia that I watch, and it's very it's very commercial. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's mainly the voice actresses, and they do a thing where it's like, all right, you have to animate and they show them animating like a very quick scene and they it's very cute um and Anna will sometimes speak and he's like he just looks cool he's like it's like oh that's yeah that's a director he's got his uh his big hair look Mm -hmm. Uh, he's wearing like a black turtleneck uh all of his a lot of his segments are in front of like battleships uh (laughs) but towards the end uh he has this quote uh and I'm, i'm paraphrasing a bit but he says When making Nadia, there was an absolute rule we had to stand by. We couldn't lie to ourselves. This was a show meant for children. If we couldn't believe in ourselves, how could they believe in us? Additionally, there is always another side to a situation. This story features topics like murder and war. In respect to that, we don't talk negatively about it, but we obviously don't talk positively about it. We wanted to showcase all points of view. I started this project from the idea of wanting to show the importance of people's encounters. If the kids that watch this are glad they could encounter an anime like this, I'd be overjoyed. Uh, so a, a little rambly, but uh-huh. I, I think my, again, my understanding from not seeing everything of Nadia, from only seeing the, the, uh, the first fourth, um, it seems like that, it seems like it does get into that territory uh, of, of sort of showing all sides of things. Yeah. And also the important and that last bit, I think, is just Anno in general, uh, the yeah. importance of people's encounters um, and relationships. But that's let's as that sort of sort of the uh, the amuse bouche of, <laughs> of this discussion. Um, but yeah, go ha- have at it. OK, so I found Nadia extremely frustrating. The show or the character? Both. Both. <laughs> both um the show overall i i don't want to say that i hate it because i don't but you could cut down the show to be like 12 episodes and it'd be much much better and i understand that that's not what they're being paid for they want to have a full series that goes for like a couple months that kind of thing i get it but there's just some portions of it that's just like there's nothing actually happening it is just like kids getting mad at each other on an island or in a submarine for like an episode. And it's not, it can be kind of a hard watch. Um, But I think that there are certain episodes, like pretty much anything that really starts to get into like the actual secret of the blue water that deals with like the conflict between Nadia, Nemo and Gargoyle, all of that stuff, like the final five episodes, those are all really, really good, and I really recommend watching them. There's just some portions of it that are so frustrating and kind of a slog to get through. Um, it 
it definitely feels like from from what from what you've described and what I've seen, it's Anno and Gynex getting used to a TV schedule and getting used to a TV yes. animation and realizing that like, oh, we have to, oh dang, how are we gonna? Maybe not enough story for uh-huh. how many episodes that that that, that yeah. were purchased for sure. Yes, exactly. Um, I definitely see, I definitely see them like getting their feet underneath them, getting their sea legs uh-huh. for like, uh, yes, um, for, for serious production. Cause I think a lot of this stuff is kind of solved and at least, at least to a certain degree when we get to Evangelion or when they get to Evangelion, we're not getting to Evangelion. <laughs> oh, but my thinking back to the last time I watched Ava, like those episodes, even episodes that weren't like, extremely like overarching narrative important still had a enough of a, like an internal like conflict going on that made that episode entertaining to watch like you have that monster of the week sort of format for a large portion of the series um that helps keep that that overall production time that ru- that runtime of the entire series helps keep it entertaining all the way through Whereas in Nadia, there are just episodes where it's like, oh, it's just Jean and Nadia being angry at each other about the same thing over and over again for like three episodes in a row. Um, There's an episode where they go to Africa and they're stuck in Africa before they get to Tartessos. Well, they run into a, a tribe there who ends up worshiping King. And it's just it's just the biggest nothing <laughs> I've ever seen. And is also, you know, it's late 80s, early 90s anime production. Um, it's not exactly the most sensitive to. Uh, yeah. To non-Japanese or non-Western people. Um, I don't want to say it's, you know, it's not nearly as bad as something from like the 70s or 80s, but it's it's still not like the best. Um, yeah, but like, I mean, those last, <laughs> it's, it really it feels really weird to say, but like those last five episodes are really, really good. <laughs> um, and like the two or three episodes at the middle where it's like the big fight between the Nautilus and Gargoyle, where the Nautilus gets destroyed and the kids have to escape. Like, that's also a really good episode or good series of episodes because it's, um, you're actually getting some like emotional resonance. You're actually getting some some really important plot points. Um, you're getting some really good animation because there's some times in this series where it's even by Gainax standards, it's not it's not great. Like again, it can, it can different studio. Uh, yes. I ge- yeah, I'm guessing you're talking about Seiyong. There's there's even some stuff with with stuff animated by Gainax or animated within like you know the studios that they are working with during this production that are, there's some portions that are a little rough, like, um, but again, it's, it's, it's a serious production. It's not an OVA where they can spend like months at a time making a single episode or making, you know, one or two episodes for a production. It's like, it's a weekly kind of thing. So. Um, yeah, it's so you, first of all, God bless you. <laughs> For, for going through the entire series. I, so, I I spent most of my yesterday watching like the last three discs. 
because I, I I tapped out. So I tapped out three dis in. I'm a coward. Um, I'm a Shinji. I ran away. Uh, <laughs> but the based on those first twelve episodes and. From your description, it seems like you can kind of split it up into these four sections of like Yeah, yeah. So and I got most of the action adventure turn of the century sort of story, more Miyazaki esque mm-hmm. opening. Or but uh, that section of the story. Uh they were just getting into the life on the Nautilus when I when I tapped out. But it's that's the thing, man. It, like you said, it's a weekly anime show. It is made for children and young teens. Yes. Uh, since the characters are, the, the, the major character Jean, Jean and Nadia, are in their early teens. Yeah, they're like 14, 15. Yeah, so, you know, it's There's made- actually um, a big kind of moment in one of the later episodes where you, you actually learn Nadia's birthday, and it turns out she's turning 15 that day, so. <laughs> that, uh, but it's <laughs> kind of classic TV show, though. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I think what I would say is that if I was 10 to 12, when I was first seeing this, I would eat this stuff up and definitely hold on for it. Cause it's, here's a, here's a little kid that's John is a kid like me. He's just like a nerdy kind of know-it-all annoying, likes to tinker with things. Although I was not <laughs> tinkery. I, I like to think about it. Uh, French. Was, yeah. Me, but yeah, me being French. Uh, <laughs> like I had, I wanted to put a, I wanted to make a hell. When I was a kid, I wanted to make a helicopter and I'm like, Oh yeah, I could just take a lawnmower engine and boop mm-hmm. to boop. I'm done. And my main reasoning was like, I wanted to go to the convenience store two blocks away without having to cross the highway. Did so you? Like, okay. Here's a, here's a real non sequitur question. Mm-hmm, Did you mm-hmm. ever get those magazines that have like the ads? I guess it'd be like in comic books and stuff like that. But, um, I always remember it from like boys life. Cause I was a, a boy scout. Mm-hmm. Um, same, same. I got okay. boys life. Okay. So the, the hovercraft, the plans for a hovercraft, yes. Yes. You make it with a vacuum cleaner. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, like, yeah, that's... I, w- I was, you know, fascinated about that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted the yeah. magic kit in the back, which I got. Uh, it's, so, like, again, I was at that age, at that young age, I would have dug this show um, immensely. I would have been in love with Nadia. Um but like, so I say all that to say, like, I just I'm definitely aged out of the show. The beginning part, at least. Um, I think it's a wonderful twist to have the Grandis gang who are, you know, they're the MVPs of the series. Uh huh. Yes. They're putting in the work, um, which is, I, I, you know, very comparable to a Team Rocket type. Yeah. Of- so um, the Grandis gang, like almost exactly analogs to stuff like um Daranjo and and Yatterman, where it's they're sort of like the the Fembatel Ojo Sama Ohoho laugh lady and her two like her like Laurel and Hardy like underlings, where it's the tall skinny guy and the short round guy. Um that's like a an ongoing like trope in anime. Like you'll see it everywhere and like yeah, exactly like you said, like Team Rocket's almost exactly like the same sort of thing where they're they're the bad guys, but they're not the bad, bad guys. Yeah. But 
the fact that they're like, oh yeah, we're gonna join you now. Mm-hmm. We're, we're all your friends, and we're actively not trying to get that blue water slash Pikachu. Yeah, yeah, you know? exactly. And it's that's a, that's a cool twist on it. Um, you got the episode with uh, Grandis and her first love. Yes, you get a we we do get a tragic backstory, and then okay. she's also <laughs> teaching Nadia about the ways of Amor. <laughs> Uh, okay, so that picture I sent you of King and the guy with the mustache. No. <laughs> that's the love that, like, stole her mustache. <laughs> Where King's being crucified. King's being crucified. King of kings, like mm-hmm. you said. <laughs> <laughs> wow, they pulled that it back in. They did. They really did. That's, I, a, that's genuinely impressive, actually. Um, yeah, so that's that's part of the, the Africa portion of the series um okay so yes I, I i agree with you i think um if i was you know in my teens i would i would much much more enjoy like this overall series but for the most part i think you can really cut down a lot of it um let me so let me ask this would mm-hmm. you, um is it a recommend is there may are are there episodes that you would say skip and you'd be fine if you wanted to dig into the series oh. at the same time knowing that this is if you're trying to be legal about it this is a very hard series to get a hold of. Um, it is a very hard series to get a hold of now. Um, I would say, oh man, I think I would have to like actually. God, I hate saying this. I think I would have to actually kind of like maybe double speed my way back through the series just to make sure like like here's an episode you can skip. Mm-hmm. Here's an episode that you'll be fine with. Because, like, there's definitely some episodes, I think, um, you could probably skip the musical episode, as much as I hate to say it. <laughs> just watch a certain clip. Just watch the song. Just watch Jean's song to Nadia, because it's it's stuck in my brain. <laughs> um, a classic yeah, like, earworm. Yeah. I think for the, like, the island episodes, there's only one you really need to see. And that's the one where they delve into like the floating island and they discover that's the Red Noah because that's kind of important. You learn a lot there. Um, there's okay. There's an episode where like Sansan and Hansen get into an argument, so they make two mechanical robot kings to race each other to find out like who's better for some reason. It's you can skip that. You don't need that episode. <laughs> well, who's better? No, um, I think neither. They both end up diving straight off a cliff because they forgot that their robots can only run straight forward. <laughs> um, yeah, like, I feel like you could definitely cut this down. Like, you can cut out most of the island episodes. I hate to say it, but yeah, you can cut out most of the island episodes. Um, and there's probably a few where the kids are on the Nautilus for, like, the extended period of time. You can probably cut out. I think like the really important one is uh, when they go to Antarctica because there's some important stuff there. Um, <laughs> the, the, their underground base in Antarctica, uh, they learned that there were like dinosaur people on Earth. <gasps> They're talking about Hollow Earth stuff? Kind of. There's like, um, they see like frozen remains of like pterodactyl people. It's real weird. Um, <laughs> and then it never gets brought up again. <laughs> oh, that's more Savage Land from uh, yeah, X-Men. Yes, kind of, yes. Um, uh, yeah, so 
I would say I would definitely say watch it, but maybe look up like a a recommended viewing or something along those lines. Um, I did not watch the movie because uh, I do not have it. And it's as you said, it was mainly a it was partially a recap, partially yeah. old footage being reused. Um, yeah. I mean, to get into the side note about the movie, since we're there, uh-huh. um, it was not directed by Anno. No. Um, and Gynax only contributed uh, apparently the story and some of the characters. I know there are some new characters, uh, but Anna was just, again, by that first quote, uh, fucking hated everything. <laughs> yeah. And it was not up to it. Uh, but they they kind of talked him into working on it a little bit. So, so Gynax, <laughs> uh huh. They were given an advance to work on the Nadia movie. Of fifty million yen. Um, essentially, they they did a goof, did not finish all the work that they were contracted to finish, and the way it was resolved. Um, I wish I had the direct quote on me, but I, I sort of paraphrased it. But essentially, they went back to Tech and said, "Hey, sorry, we're not going to be able to complete the things we need to do for the Nadia movie." And Tech's like, "Cool, that's no problem. Uh, can you give us that fifty million yen back?" And Gynax is like, we're sorry, we do not have it. Please forgive us. I think the actual quote yeah. was like, please forgive us. Yes. And they did, apparently. That was that. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. no, no legal. At- My understanding is that no other legal actions were taken. Um, Gynax did pay back their debt uh, to Tuck because of Evangelion and the mm-hmm. success of that. But it's like, that is wild to me to that have to is, like. Yeah. That is, sorry, Teach. <laughs> I didn't do my report. Except you attach a uh, a, a five hundred thousand price tag to to it in in USD. Yeah. Uh, Just wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're bad at business. <laughs> Someone sent an adult to guidance. Yes, they were very bad, very bad at what they were doing financially speaking. Oh. If, I think that's something that will haunt them forever. (laughs) If nothing else, Anno, I I think Anno, like, he knew who he was and, like, stayed in his own lane. No one was like, hey, Anno, can you produce things? Every Him, and it it seemed like him and everyone else knew, kind of knew, like, all right, we know. Well, it it was, uh, did we talk about this before? There was some retrospective, I think, after uh, Royal Space Force. There was some interview. And they talked about, uh, it might have been Okada or, um, it might have been Okada saying it, or Higuchi. And they were like, yeah, Ano's like an atom bomb. You you don't use him in every situation. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, man, all right. <laughs> uh, so so here's, some, here's some bits from Nadia, since you didn't watch it, um, or watch all of it. Uh, there's, so I already talked about the atoms. Uh, it turns out that very early in the production of Evangelion that it was going to be a Nadia sequel. Whoa. Um, basically, the Adams on board the Red Noah would have escaped the destruction of the spaceship because it's a gigantic... It's like a gigantic flying saucer. Um, that very classic Japanese anime flying saucer where it's the saucer with like the three little lobes on the bottom. Um, mm. but the, there have been 16 atoms that would have escaped the destruction of the Red Noah, 
you can kind of see it in the show because when the Red Noah explodes, there's a bunch of like glowing orbs that appear around it and then like shoot off. Um, uh, and then they would have caused a cataclysmic event um, called the Dead Sea Evaporation Incident. Uh, but since Gynex couldn't secure the rights to Nadia from the NHK, they just reworked the whole thing uh, into what we would eventually see as Evangelion. Okay. Um, there's a lot of sort of like pictogram, glowing blue pictograms and stuff like that in the Atlantean technology um, that if you have played Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild will also look very, very familiar. Um, I, I would not be surprised, especially given the, the Miyazaki influences on that game and that series in general. If the team working on it looked at... Uh, Nadia and was like, hey, let's use some of this imagery for their own sort of like the Chica technology and stuff like that in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, it has a very similar kind of feel, a uh, very similar look. Um, and then uh, so the finale of the series, you get an epilogue about what happened to everybody. And here's the kind of gross part in that Marie, the little orphan girl, marries Sanson when she's an adult Shut the fuck <laughs> up. It's, it's, it's like, it gives no. you the, the, the end, like, scene. And then we cut back to this, this lady sitting in a chair, like, in a dress. And it's like, here's what happened to everybody else. Um, so, uh, Jean and Nadia get married. Uh, and they have a kid. Um, uh, Electra has Nemo's child. Um, mm-hmm. they hooked up at some point. Uh, it, Nemo's second in command. I think we yes, kind of yes. glossed over her. Yeah, we get, we kind of did. She, yeah. Um, never mind. I'm not gonna go there. Um, <laughs> uh, Grandis is still single. Um, we get a, a great shot of her like playing golf and like losing a club, and then all these. Like men around her, like offer them, offer her their golf clubs. It's it's very cute. Um, Hansen becomes a uh, the world's greatest like automobile manufacturer, um, oh, and this dang. like an industrial giant. Um, uh, King has a bunch of kids, and then uh, yeah, Sansen and Marie get married. <laughs> uh, <laughs> It's no, I yeah. There's un- unforgivable. I yep. will, yeah. Uh, no, nope, 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 nope. Um, trying to think if there's anything else that really goes on in the series that you missed. That's like the big stuff. Oh, it turns out that um, gargoyle isn't an Atlantean because he turns into salt when he tries to touch the the blue water. Ooh, more more religious iconography. Uh huh. Um, Emperor Neo, who is Nadia's brother, was turned into a robot for reasons. More religious iconography. No. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's that's it. That's that's all I got. It's uh, this sucks that this came after Gunbuster, uh, as far as our timeline for uh-huh. the show, because Gunbuster is such a singular vision. Mm-hmm. Um, where this is again it's a bunch of different it's nh it's nhk it's toho 
uh, tech. It's a but there's a lot of fingers in the pies, which is what you have mm-hmm. with uh, televised anime, and it's it's growing pains. It's them learning how to deal with television production. There's just it seems like there's just a ton of factors that make it not what it could have been. Um, yeah, is is sort of the that's sort of what I that's my deduction, and it, and it's a shame. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's yeah it's being under under the NHK, under Toho, under Group Tech, having all these kind of people above them, and them not being used to this sort of production schedule because this is this is their first like television series that they have worked on, and getting used to that sort of production schedule, getting used to having to work with all these other people is uh this is what we get out of it, and it, it you know I definitely think it's a very good first try but it's also like it doesn't quite stand up to the rest of the stuff that at least Anna would do and that Gynax as a whole would do yeah I can I can see why I had not heard of this until we started getting into and so we started doing our initial uh research for it um interesting postscript for Nadia though is uh so there's this little and I and I will say little because I think it was a, a failure at the box office um a little, a little movie from a little company called Disney mm-hmm. called Atlantis, The Lost Empire, which came out in 2001 uh, with a plot centered around a bespectacled genius uh, finding Atlantis and them getting in a sub to go there and then finding a society there. And there is a dark skinned woman who he falls in love with, who also has a magic crystal. Mm-hmm. Um, so sound, sounds kind of similar. Uh, some things. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, so there there were talks of lawsuits and talks of taking legal action against Disney, um, but it didn't happen. Uh, so this is from Yamaga. This is what he says. He says, quote, we actually tried to get NHK to pick a fight with Disney, but even the National Television Network of Japan didn't dare to mess with Disney and their lawyers. What we said to them was this really had nothing to do with us, but if it did, we would definitely take them to court. Of course, it is all a lie. We actually did say that, but we wouldn't actually take them to court. We would be so terrified about what they would do to them in return that we wouldn't dare. <laughs> so you don't even they know you don't mess with the mouse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the, the laugh of terror. Yes. Atlantis Lost Empire. I think if you're an animation nerd, you you really dig. Um, Mike Magnolia did, I think, a lot of the character design work. Mm-hmm. Uh, the creator of Hellboy. Um, it's one of uh, Disney's last traditionally animated uh, feature films. Yep. Uh, and is also Jim Varney's last performance. R.I.P. Yeah. R.I.P. I believe. Yeah. I want to say yes. Or the last. Yeah. So R.I.P. to Ernest. Um, and it's great. He's like, I-, I think I think he's the cook. I think that's his role. He's real. Oh, good. is he? OK. I think so. Yeah, but it's it's super fun. Um, it, a good movie. Yeah, but yeah, definitely some uh, some similarities. It uh, I can definitely see them. It's always struck me as uh, it always felt like a Stargate knockoff to a degree. Ooh, you're very you're also right on that. That it, that's always what kind of struck me. But I can I can definitely see now, especially see the the Nadia um, similarities, and it's. I'm never one who's like, 
like that thinks like every idea is like precious because we're mm-hmm. all we're all just taking things and moving it around because it's like you don't see Jules. Well, one, he's dead. He can't. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Jules Verne isn't in it. Like his estate isn't in a tiff. Mm-hmm. In a it got his you know about Nadia. So it's just I can they clear. I mean there are influences, of course yeah. and for sure. But it is a different story. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so one thing I want to go back to to talking about some stuff you missed in the series. Um, <laughs> talk, you know, talk about child murder for a second. Um, when Gargoyle kills Jean, it's the most like, oh god, he just like drops him off. Uh, they're on like these super tall like pillars, and they just drop him off the top of it, oh, and it's god. just like the most like matter of fact. You see Jean just like hit the ground head first, and then done. It's it's so kind of matter of fact and brutal. <laughs> it, it's it's uh, and then yeah, Nadia just wishes them back to life. Yay! Yay! All all is solved. There's it's man. <laughs> I'm part of me is like I should have stuck with it, but the other part is like no, probably I, not. I yeah, I totally get not. I totally get not sticking with it. Um, uh, so well, my- I will say for the, the dub, um, the ADV dub, because there's actually two dubs for this, uh, back in like the early 1990s, Streamline uh, brought over like the first eight episodes on VHS, um, and they got kind of, you know, voice actors of the time, like Wendy Lee, um, a.k.a. Are you yeah, talking about? A.k.a. Faye, mm-hmm. uh, was Nadia, a couple other... Artright Chamberlain, uh, who was in Babylon Five, <laughs> um, yeah, like so they they did a dub for like the first eight episodes, and then it kind of disappeared, and then ADV brought it back over, and they actually got like age appropriate voice actors um, that I think actually does. It, it's not like the best dub, but I think getting kind of age appropriate voice actors adds a little something to it. Um, like there's a moment where Jean is, is lamenting the death of some newly found friends on board the Nautilus. And he's letting out these, these wails of like agony. And it's, uh, you can, you can tell that it is a, a child making those noises. It is, is, uh, fascinating and, and a surprisingly good performance for their age. Um, also, the Jean's voice actor would go on to star in like True Blood. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, kind of crazy. Um, but yeah, I think that's I think that's all I really got to say about about Nadia. Yeah, not not as influential as Gunbuster. You <laughs> no, it like again. This is a series that I haven't watched up until now. Up until like we decided to do this show. Um, and, you know, getting my hands on it, watching, watching it through, uh, I could definitely see the, the, the sort of starting points of, of Gynax with it, but it's also, uh, I don't, I don't know if I would really recommend it other than like fighting a, a must watch list kind of deal. So, yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll finish out this episode with, uh, some other projects that did not mm-hmm. make it off the ground or were in different Stages of development before Evangelion um, that Anna was attached to. Uh, the first one is Olympia, 
which was a project that was thought up during a pitch weekend retreat for Gainax. Uh, and it was mainly headed by Takami Akai uh, with Ano slated to direct. Um, and you, there's uh, Sadamoto did uh, some illustrations for it that he has uh, released in one of his art books. Um, and it's just something that just never came to be. It kind of fizzled out. Uh, mm-hmm. But the plot uh, was about a girl named Olympia who traveled to various planets to gather powerful weapons that had been hidden away in order to avenge her father against the Emperor of the Galactic Federation. Uh, all the weapons combined to form a giant robot. Fuck yes. Uh, <laughs> it was conceived of being between Naughty and Gunbuster. So it... I mean, I'm glad we got Evangelion, but that does fucking roll. <laughs> that sounds so rad. Yeah. Um, and I should have put this first, but... Again, during Nadia and post Nadia, again, Anno in his own biography said, quote, uh, sort of described his life as being, quote, a broken man who could do nothing for four years, a man who ran away for four years, one who is simply not dead. Jesus. Yikes. I'm so sorry. And like, that's, it's all four years is a long time. That's a presidential term. Yeah. Of just not a feeling like that. Yeah. Because, like, post-Nadia, aside from just, like, the sheer amount of burnout and stuff, it it seemed like everything that he was trying to do, everything he was working on at the time, just kind of fell through. Um, uh, I mean, like, Olympia, um, I think the one we're going to talk about next, Uru, um, just all the stuff, like, trying to get up and get the energy and the motivation and the desire to to do like what you love and just not being able to it's 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 heartbreaking especially with this quote yeah i just and and we talked about it and we mentioned it at the top but it's there's not a ton of info on ano directly during mm-hmm. this time cuz uh, cuz like you said i think the the interesting part is sort of the guy next end and the production mm-hmm. end of things with nadia and some of these other works and uh, where Anno's just kind of in the background being fucking sad and it's heartbreaking. Yeah, he's just kind of toiling away, it seems. Um, and uh, Uru in Blue, or Aoki Uru, uh, which is the project before Evangelion that sort of got the closest to production that mm-hmm. Anno was attached to, is, ooh boy, what a, <laughs> what a story. Um, of co- cl- Clearly, an unproduced Gynex project. Um, that was to serve as a sequel to their 87 film Royal Space Force. Uh, Aoki Uru, it was planned to be directed by Anno, uh, scripted by Yamaga, uh, and Sadamoto serving as its chief animation director and character designer. Um, they did pre-production from, I think, 92 to about 93. And during that time, they had a complete storyboard, a partial script, which is wild. You think those two Uh would be connected. Uh, And they just, you know, they had a very large collection of designs of pre-production art. Um, They had already put a team together, which it's like a murderer's row uh, of who's involved in this. Uh, The primary mecha design was going to be by Shiro Masamune, uh, who's the creator of Ghost in the Shell. That's Uh, a, that's a hell of a kid. mm -hmm. Uh, and including Kazutaka Miyataki, who designed a bunch of spaceships on Gunbuster. Uh, they're going to have the same art directors from Gunbuster, Masanori Kikuchi and Hiroshi Sasaki. They're going to have Kazuya Surumaki and Takeshi Honda as animation directors working under Satomoto. 
And so I, I think the, the wildest thing to me and the thing that uh, is most involved in my interest is, uh, so design models, sort of the, the guide for animators, uh, I guess keyframe, key, key anime, I, I'm not sure what design model would be in that sounds like the like um the sheets that they would use to keep stuff like on model Um, ah model okay uh so like this is what the character looks like this is what they look like from like these angles this is what um the appropriate way to animate them to make sure that they look correct and all the the things that's what that sounds like to me i'm not 100 percent sure but okay uh, either way, a, f- a fairly big role the production was going to be assigned to Satoshi Kon. Would, <laughs> That's that is also a hell of a kid. Uh, um, so yeah, this all the again all these heavy hitters involved in this project. Um, but Gynex did what Gynex does. Uh, the project was not fully financed before they got started. So they again sinking a lot of their own money. We had some managerial shifts because Okada stepped down mm-hmm. as the president. Um, uh, of Gynax, and they actually suspended production indefinitely on July 1993. So this is from Akai. He says, quote, we couldn't raise any more capital, and the staff just wasn't making any progress. Even Anno had lost his motivation. Anno, myself, and all the rest of the staff had worked so hard in this project, but we had nothing to show for it. Uh, and I guess uh, he, he actually considered resigning from Gynex because of how horrible th- this this was. But this because of this, there was a mass exodus of staff from Gynex. Um, Sawamura, who was the, the then president of Gynex, or hand, they, Sawamura handled the, the day-to-day operations mm-hmm. uh, at Gynex at this time. Uh, sorry, we're kind of glossing over Gynex stuff because, again, it's not about them um, or not too deep into them. Uh, but this was, like, super... I have to include this detail and how, like, not just Anno was depressed, but Gynax was struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, so instead of firing any everyone, what they did is they had a big announcement. And they're like, hey, look, uh, payroll, you know, those checks you get, uh, they might not be coming to you. So if you want to resign, if that doesn't work out for you, just don't come back in. You don't have to, like, put in a formal resignation. You do what you want to do. But if you do want to stay on, please let us know. So it was honestly super shady because they did not want to have to like pick who was getting fired and who was not. They sort of let the employees handle it themselves, which is, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> yeah. God, that's rough. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it affected people in management. It wasn't like they were living high in the hog. Takeda, mm-hmm. uh, his, his salary was cut uh, to the point where he sent his wife, uh, his sci-fi author, Hiroi Suga. Uh, she had to go live back with her parents. And Takeda lived, uh, he just, yeah, he lived at the company. <laughs> he, there, I guess they had a, in, in his memoirs, he talks about how there was a little room with three bunk beds. And it was just, I forget what they called, what he said they called it. But it was like, yeah, you could just sleep there. Uh, people who missed the last train would like come in and crash there. People who got too drunk, they sometimes bring girls there. It's a, uh, it was it was why it was a wild time. He also sort of they took out, I for, they took out essentially legal loans, legal air quotes. They are from loan sharks, mm-hmm. but they were the, but they're technically legal in Japan. A sort of not a bank, not quite a bank, but not quite mobster. Sort of an in between situation that they have. 
Right. And he took out a bunch of loans from there. It's it was it was bad. Yeah. Um, Takeda also writes that quote for Ano. Uh, I think Aoki Uru being put on hiatus was a weight off his shoulders. I'm sure he'd been just as anxious about it as I was. Tormented by the thought that as the director, he needed to do something to fix things, even though he didn't know what to do. Uh, but yeah, that that was that was like the end of that. They've uh, I won't go too deep into it, but they've Gainax has like announced here and there that they're going to, you know, put it back into production. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but the project was transferred over from Gainax to Gaina. Uh, a different corporate entity and subsidiary of Kenoshita Group. Uh, and their plan is for a worldwide release of the film in 2022. So huh. we'll, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, there's there's some stuff in the modern Gainax history, like the post-2012-ish sort of era that is extremely distressing and not. it, it really feels like Gainax is not anywhere close to what it used to be. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, um, that's one of those. I'll believe it when I see it. So oh, for the, sure. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I saw that release date. I'm like, oh, that no, no, no. Yeah, Someone not. needs to update that wiki. Um, yeah. Gynax, I think just talking about Gynax as a whole for a second. Yeah. I think post 2010. Yeah. Gynax just kind of isn't the same studio anymore. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Cause you have, cause I mean, not just like the, sh- the, the breakoff studios like trigger. Uh-huh. Um, you have the, I don't want to say allegations cause I don't know how, I don't know off the top of my dome, what, what was like char- what actual charges were, mm-hmm. but there, but there, there were like sexual, uh, misconduct, I think is the term. It would be the proper word for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, allegations and charges. Um, it's, it's bad. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's wheeled. It's, it's, it's weird that we're ending on this sour note uh, in the history of Gynax and for Anno. Um, it's it's definitely a darkest before the dawn situation. It's darkest before the dawn, and then it also gets really dark again. <laughs> uh, given what's what's about to happen with the studio and Anno directly. Um, and this, I, I, and I think what what I found out is that the same month that. Aoki Uru was canceled. That's the beginning of Evangelion when mm-hmm. the, 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 the infamous meeting where Ano essentially gets carte blanche to do whatever he wants. Yes. Um, I believe a, a producer, uh, Otsuki came to Ano and basically said, bring me something, anything, and I'll make sure it gets greenlit. So, uh, Otto, Otto had an in for, for getting Evangelion, uh, at least a, a good portion of its production budget. And it's, and it's weird on our end because we're, we're doing next episode. We'll be doing a very big time jump. Yes. Uh, because no Evangelion. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, not sorry. <laughs> this was a plan. All you knew what this was. This was a plan all along. Uh, we finally got to that step. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see what, we come to next. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think the next big thing is going to be sort of like the post end of Ava era and like getting into like love and pop and, and some of that post Evangelion stuff that he was doing. Um, 
which, you know, uh, <laughs> we're probably not going to get our hands on the actual movie Love and Pop as much yeah. as we would like to. It's just that's that's yeah. There, that's there a probably, difficult task. Yes, there probably was like an English DVD release of it, but it's also like extremely expensive and extremely rare. Um, and and you know who knows if we'd even actually be able to get our hands on it. Let me so. let me see what the old Amazon is saying. Uh, Four hundred bucks. Yeah. Hmm. Um, uh, yeah. Unless we somehow get <laughs> a lot of money for doing this. Yeah. Um, I mean, and we want to cover like stuff that people are actually going to be able to get their hands on for the most part. Like you can get your hands on Nadia for not too expensive, <laughs> um, depending on if you want to get like the actual DVDs or not. Um, yeah, I think Love and Pop is just such a a hard get that um, that being able to cover it in full is 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 going to be kind of off the table. We're still going to try and go over some basic stuff with it. Um, yeah, I think after that, it's it's Karikano. Yeah, a, a shorter series. Yes, definitely a much shorter series. Um, a um, a romance series, which yeah. is, is interesting. It's I somehow don't see uh, there suddenly being giant robots or intricately designed mechanical details in, in Karikano, but we'll have to see. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe it is aliens at the end. Who who knows? I, I I know next to nothing about it, so I'm excited to see what it does and to dive in. Um, any, I guess, closing thoughts on this episode? I'll go ahead and say that I feel for my man. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's it sucks when you're in a creative field and you feel trapped, or you feel like you're letting other people down, or you feel like you're just not doing your best and you don't know what to do to fix it um that's that's horrid but it's as we've as we have as we've discussed and sort of seen all of this all of this informs evangelion you know it's like what have what would i have liked for ano to like be fully on naughty and like love it and like it be a big success mm-hmm. yeah. of course but that it's sliding doors man you know we're, we're that changes what we get later on so it's 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 sort of the same way I look at my life where it's like, of you know, like any other human, I've had bad situations and tragedy and trauma in my life. But that's like that's also me, you know, mm-hmm. it's like that's who I am. And it's we we get him because of all this bad stuff. We get Evangelion. But uh, guy next, get get an adult. Yeah. For the love of God, this is <laughs> yeah. this is embarrassed. Like, I'm embarrassed for you. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's it really feels like a group of like just out of college or not even like out of college, just out of like college dropouts, like flying by the seat of their pants into the animation industry and making like this truly like amazing like animation. But at the same time, like not being able to balance a checkbook to save their lives. Just, yeah, not <sighs> learning the wrong lessons, maybe. Yeah. In the like, um, no, don't just because it worked out. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I don't but know yeah. if you have anything. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, it's you know, again, I, I think I would have loved to hear a little bit more about Anno like during this time, but it, it also kind of feels like this was a, a nose to the grindstone kind of time for him that he's just very involved in the work and there wasn't a lot else going on, and then wanting to make sure that the series ended well. Uh, and then, yeah, 
again, you know, I, I to echo your statement. I, I I feel for him. I I totally get the feeling lost in a situation kind of thing. No, I mean, not anywhere to the the same degree, but still, I'm I'm glad that he gets an upswing with Evangelion, <laughs> even with how like some of the response to the end of that show kind of nosedives. Um, but you know, knowing that it kind of all works out in the end to a degree, especially seeing all the stuff he does later, um, is is it's reassuring to know that he he's going to land on his feet. Uh, and, and deliver us some incredible stuff. So um, I'm excited to, to dig into it. Like I'm, I'm definitely interested to see how Kari Kano turns out. Kind of go from there. Um, we're we're thankfully we're both gainfully employed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're in. You know, this is for the fun of it. But there are some costs with the podcast, uh, especially getting uh, to be able to get the media that we cover and watch. Yes. Um, so if you like what we do and you want to support us. Uh, the best thing you can do is, is to support us directly through Anchor, our hosting site. So if you go to our Anchor page at anchor.fm slash T-T-H-A-A, uh, <laughs> phonetically, um, you can, uh, there'll be a button where you can donate. Pay, you, you can donate a certain amount every month uh, that'll run, that will renew automatically. You don't have to sign up for anything. It's just your email or, mm-hmm. or your card information, uh, and you can sum, you can give us ninety nine cents a month, four ninety nine a month, or nine ninety nine a month. Um, again, if if you like what we do and you want to help us uh, sort of supplant some of the cost, uh, then that is the best way to do that, and it would be greatly appreciated. Yeah, and you know, uh, it's a like Aaron said, it's a monthly thing. But if you just like to go in and do like a month, like anything is appreciated. Um, so you can. Donate and then cancel the subscription if you want. Yeah. We Super, yeah. appreciate a monthly, but uh, whatever you are able to do, we would greatly, greatly appreciate it. it definitely help offset some of the costs of buying these anime DVDs. Naughty, it was so much. <laughs> not not too much, but it was so much. <laughs> you want us to buy Love and Pop, right? So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if you want us to fully cover it, the the essentially porno that he made... It's. Mm, I mean, some uh, Cinemax esque. Yeah, it's. it's mm, yeah, it's, we'll get into it. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you want us to be dirty boys, definitely <laughs> uh, donate again. Anchor.fm slash t t h a a tango tango hortense alpha alpha. <laughs> I don't know what H is. The hotel. Hotel. There we go. Thank you. Uh, so that has been. Episode four of season two of Thinking Too Hard About Anime, Hideaki Anno Domini. Boy, that's a mouthful. Um, uh, we had, Thank you very much for listening. Um, if you would like to get in contact with us, you can email us at thinkingtohardpod at gmail.com. Um, and if you would like to get us, if you'd like to get in contact with us on Twitter, you can find us at thinkinganime. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Love to hear what any sort of feedback or anything like that. Um, we'd also appreciate if you would rate and review us on your podcast listening uh, service of choice. Uh, we're on all of them. So wherever you're listening to this, if they have a, a rate and review system, please go ahead and do that. Uh, yeah. And then 
you can find me online. Uh, hi, I'm Noah. Um, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Kamen Otaku. That's K-A-M-E-N-O-T-A-K-U. Uh, and I also do occasional Twitch streams. Uh, so you can find me at twitch.tv slash Kamen Otaku. That's K-A-M-E-N-O-T-A-K-U. Aaron, where can they find you? I will tell them. But first, uh, I think you you had a guest appearance. Uh, oh, that's I, right. Yeah, if you want to talk about that. Um, so I was recently on a, a friend of ours podcast, uh, Night Clerk Radio. Um, we, we ran some ads for them during our first season. Uh, but um, yeah, I was on their podcast. They talk about uh, haunted music, vaporwave, lo-fi hip-hop, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and I was on there talking about the music of Toonami, which was uh, very fun. Uh, I kind of do a, a sort of history of Toonami um, and how, like, super influential it kind of is. Um, so, so yeah, uh, go check that out. It's a, it's a really fun episode to do, and all of their episodes are, are great. Get a lot of different, um, lot, very, very different sort of musical choices. Uh, but uh, it's all very good to listen to. And uh, if you like how our show is set up, you will like how their show is set up as well because it's just two very passionate fans of the genre talking about their love of a, of a thing. So it's like us, but for spooky music. <laughs> uh, I listen to it. It's super good. Uh, Noah, Noah has been outshining everyone in his research ability lately, and it's <laughs> super appreciated. Um, yeah, go check it out. I'll be sure to have a link in the show notes. Um, if you want to listen to a dumb podcast, you can listen to myself and Vince White's podcast, Kame House Party, where we are attempting to watch every episode and iteration of Dragon Ball uh, that has ever existed. We do fun, improvised comedy along the way. Uh, you can check that out the same place you're listening to this podcast. Uh, and I also stream every Thursday night around 8 p.m. Eastern with Vince. Uh, we play a variety of games and have a variety of fun. And you can check that out at twitch.tv slash Kame House Party. And now from correct, the day that this episode comes out is Ooh, the thing, oh yeah. right? You're right. Okay. Also, uh, if you are listening to this on the 15th of July in 2021, mm-hmm. um, we that is also the fifth anniversary of Kame House Party. We've been releasing episodes for five years. Um, and that evening we will be this evening, um, that or this evening, depending on your time, uh, we'll, we will be doing something special around 8 PM Eastern. We'll be having a, a special secret live stream, uh, that if you want the link for it, it won't be on Twitch. Uh, if you want the link for it, uh, you will need to follow us, follow, you will need to follow Kame House Party on social media. Uh, so at Kame House Party on either Twitter or, or Instagram, if you want to be a part of history, <laughs> um, I, I can't say I, I can't say any more than that. Uh, but if yeah, so if you're listening day of, uh, please join us for that. I think it'll be very fun and very stupid. Uh, my two favorite things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm very excited. Oh <laughs> um, yeah, no yeah, no will be there, so you can talk to him in chat. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, next time for episode five of Hideaki Anno Domini. Uh, we'll be talking love and pop and sort of the post-Evangelion era of Anno's life. And we'll be digging into Kare Kano, 
aka his and her circumstances. Uh, so come check that out. That should be up August be August, 19th. Yeah. So join us then. Uh, and until then, I've been your host, Noah Carden. I've been Aaron J. Shelton. And we've been thinking too hard. Thank you.